This is Church Tech Profiles, episode 16 for the week of February 8th, 2021. Alex Sawyer, the production pastor. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of Church Tech Profiles. I am Van Metzke, your host. And uh, in spirit of collaborating with other people who do other stuff on the interwebs, I thought it was about time that we got together with the production pastor himself, uh, Alex Sawyer. How you doing? Good. Really glad to be here. Yeah, we have uh, we have needed to do this for I think a while. <laughs> but uh, uh, before we started recording, I, we were just reminiscing that I think the last time we saw each other in person was 2019 Salt. Yeah, um, which seems like 30 years ago. Uh, really, <laughs> but at the same time, it also feels like it was like two weeks ago, sort of at yeah. the same exact time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This whole COVID thing has been, it's made time stop. Like yeah. time has no meaning anymore. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was two weeks ago or two years ago, or, you know, it happened yesterday. I don't even know. It just doesn't, nothing makes any sense. I've never used my calendar more critically. Sure. Than I have this year because I have to remember. And I've actually, I don't know about you, but I go back and I go, somebody will say, oh, well, the last time we met, we talked about blah, blah, blah. And I'll have to actually go back in my calendar and go, when was the last time we met? We met. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, absolutely. No, that was only four days ago. I totally forgot we met. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, uh, we'll talk about the production pastor YouTube channel and all the stuff you're doing with that. But you are also the technical director at third church in Richmond, Virginia as well. Right. Yes, I am. So I want to talk about that first. Cause obviously this totally. is, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I try to have people actually working in the church on the podcast, although, mm-hmm. you know, we've had other people that aren't, but, um, I think one of the things that obviously we'll talk about this a little later is one of the things that drove you to do the church, uh, the, uh, the, um, the production pastor YouTube channel and all the other stuff that you're doing is because you're a tech director. Yeah. Uh, kind of the way all, all of us have gotten into this crazy, you know, interweb, yeah. you know, stuff. Uh, but so kind of tell me what, so what's, um, what do you, what exactly are your, your, uh, what are your duties at church? What, you know, who do you oversee? What's going on with the church? All that kind of good stuff. How long have you been there? All that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I've been at third for about five and a half years now. Um, it's been quite a journey. So I'm the first real technical production, anything at third, you know, kind of the typical story. They hired me to help run sound because they were having a lot of issues. And so I said, sounds cool. We'll see how it goes. And then over time it wound up being, Hey, I'd love to not do this solo every single week. And you got some other guys here that have been here for a while who are really burnt out, but let's see if we can make like a team, make it healthy and start to build upon that. And so that's really been my journey at third, which has been a whole lot of fun. It's been a lot of challenge for sure in the past. Um, and it's evolved a ton. So when I first came in again, was just doing sound week to week on my own, slowly building up a team about a year or two in, we had a pretty major upgrade, which I'm actually really thrilled to look back on that. It kind of happened to me um, more than it happened with me. All of a sudden, they said, we just need to do some upgrades. It was really a projector install that they just said, this is weird, this is old. But in the process of doing that, they said, hey, we want to really upgrade our stream. Um, Because believe it or not, when I first came, we were using a Microsoft webcam 
that was turned around and zoomed in 10 times. So anyone listening can imagine what that looked like and how bad that was. So, um, so we just knew we so, needed to do it. So it was awesome is what you're saying. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> awesome if you wanted to pick your nose in the front of the room and no one see it because no one would be able to see it. Right. <laughs> it, it large pixel, just you wiggling. Um, well, all you had to say is Microsoft in 10 times. So that gives yeah, you all exactly Microsoft cam 10 times, 10 you know times. what it looks like. A end of story. Absolutely. Um, so that, that led to just some gear upgrades, which then, so we got some PTZ cameras at the time. We had a nicer audio console, um, did some projector upgrades, but at that point was really when the team hit a new need. So instead of us just needing one person to run sound, we are now doing everything that you would expect in a church. So we've got basically a team for audio, a team for graphics, and a team for video. Even though it was simple, it was all of a sudden, this has changed a lot. So that has kind of been my role up till COVID when everything changed yet again, which it's kind of weird to look back on, on all the things that have happened in the pandemic, just because it has been a really hard season for so many people. But in my specific role as a TD, there've been some really amazing things we've been able to do um, just because everyone's now really paying a lot of attention to what I'm doing just because that was our only avenue at the beginning when everything hit. Um, and so there was a lot of questions. People are asking me what I'm thinking, what we need volunteer wise. And so even this past year, you know, we've really taken it from where we were to a whole new team of camera operators. I've been video directing, which is pretty new to me, just being an audio guy and just being a tech director in general, being in charge of video every single week, um, but then also needing people to run audio, need to run graphics and just needing a full team. So we've made a lot of gear upgrades um, and we've also spread out into different parts of the room and we've actually moved completely down the hall to a different venue. Um, and we finally actually have the space we need to do the team training and growth well. Um, before COVID, before any of our changes, we were meeting in this just really cramped tech booth. There was enough for audio to be there and whoever's running PTZ cameras to be there. And then the graphics operator was basically six feet away from their graphics computer, just kind of crunched in there somewhere. It was totally not ideal. And, and the part that hurt the worst was we, we really never had the ability to truly shadow. Like you could come in on a rehearsal and, you know, we could talk about audio but it was never anyone that could just sit next to the person mixing on a Sunday and look and say, Hey, what are you doing with that? Can you tell me what you're doing and, and have any room to really facilitate that kind of growth? And so now we're at this spot where we need a lot of people and we're gaining a lot of people because everyone knows that if we don't have the people on our team, we just can't execute services the same way. Um, and so we've really been able to grow into that. And our team has just really started to blossom. We've got some new younger folks who maybe would not have been in production in the past who are just really interested in it, um, partly because they want to go to church and we are meeting indoors, but we have limited capacities and that's a way they can get into church. Um, so that's been really great. Um, and I guess that kind of leads into where our team is now. Um, in COVID, we, we really changed up the way our team leadership structure works. So when I first was on staff, it was really just me. At one point I said, I would really love to have an intern, even just for a couple weeks in the summer. It took a while to get there. Um, and then somebody gave a little donation one year and that happened. Through that, I think the church leadership saw that it was really valuable for me to have this, that I was a lot happier and we were getting a lot of cool stuff done. And so they actually extended that through the year. And then we slowly have kind of grown upon that. So at this point, I now oversee one part-time staff who works directly with me kind of as my production assistant. 
um, who also kind of leads the audio team. And then we actually elevated two of our guys during the pandemic. We just need a lot of help to know we've got people here and I love the volunteer model, but these are guys that I'm working really hard and they're really committed and they're really faithful and just really good and fun to be around. And I said, I think we should pay these guys. And they basically formed our production leadership team. So between myself and the guy that works directly with me, and then these two other guys, we kind of have our own little leadership team. And we're starting even this year to talk through what does a budget look like together? How are we planning this stuff together? How are we doing trainings? How are we taking care of the team? All that kind of stuff together. And so that's kind of the, the long version of where we are now. Um, and it's as weird as it is to say in 2020 and 2021, it's it's been a really good journey. It's been hard. It's been busy, but it's been really good. Yeah. I, I think, I think we're going to look back on this, um, oddly enough and have, you know, I, I, I was reminded while you're talking, I'm, I was reminded of oddly just because of the 2020 thing is, I don't know if you've seen that, that comic that has the two dogs on the couch, has the two humans on the couch and has the two dogs on the couch. And the two humans are like, uh, this year has been terrible. You know, it's been all this stuff. And the two dogs on the couch are going, this has been the best year ever. Our, <laughs> our, uh, my, uh, my owner, my master has been home every day. He's petting me all the time, sitting on the couch yeah. with me. This has been the best year ever. And I thought, you know, and I think there's a comic like that with kids too, like with two little kids, you know, and then, sure. and I thought, you know, I think, I know there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot, I mean, I was just watching the thing today that was talking about relationships breaking up because of, you know, the pandemic and suicides gone way up sure. and all the stuff. So there's a lot of terrible stuff. So I'm not saying that, but I think there are good things that have come out, definitely come out of this. Yeah. I, I do yeah. think that for the bad stuff that's coming out and we hear about it, uh, we tend to, as humans, not talk about the good stuff. <laughs> we tend yeah. to focus on the bad stuff. I, I don't know if everybody realizes that, but if you've lived under a rock for an entire year, uh, pretty <laughs> sure. much just all the bad stuff has been talked about for this last <laughs> yeah. year. I'm hoping that as we come out of this to whatever, then, you know, 2020, 2021 has to offer 2022 has to offer. Um, I, I refuse to say new normal. I said it right there, but I, that's, I refuse to <laughs> sure. say those words. Sure. Um, I think there's a whole list of COVID words that need to be, or phrases. Pivot is definitely on that list. <laughs> and uh, new normal. And um, uh, there was, there's one, there's, there's another one too. Oh, uh, uh, what's the one it's um, uh, not, not stressful times. Um, uh, there's, there's another, there's like two or three other ones and I'm just like, Oh, please stop using those. I'm so <laughs> tired. Unprecedented. That's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Unprecedented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely hate that phrase. <laughs> it's like this close to not even having any meaning anymore. It's just kind of this word of letters. A lot of this stuff is a lot of this is just like, it's just word salad, you know, and no one, no one <laughs> yeah. even cares. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean anymore? Yep. So that's cool. Well, so, um, what, what's kind of your background? How did you, how did you get involved with doing sound and all that kind of stuff? You know, a lot of people got started doing high school. Some people didn't, what was, what kind of, yeah. what's your road to getting where you got? Yeah, my, um, it all began in, I don't remember the year It was around fifth grade for me. My church started our contemporary service. That's what was happening at the time. This was, you know, into the 90s, early 2000s. So that was just the big thing all the churches were doing. 
And so my parents went and we, we all went as a family and, you know, every week I'd go in and there'd this, be this guy in the back of the room with this giant desk at the time. I had no idea what it was, but I'd stare at it just because it looked fascinating. And my wonderful mother had the idea to ask if I could just go and sit by him and watch. And she was like, is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, well, yeah, how cool does that thing look? And so that's kind of how I started is I just would sit back there and, you know, over time you level up. So at first I was just kind of don't touch anything, just look at stuff. And then eventually I was entrusted with pressing the track button on the CD. So whenever we changed songs or changed to the preaching time or whatever it was, that was my responsibility. I'd press the track button. Uh, uh, the track button on the CD recorder. Yeah. It, um, it's awesome. Those are fun times. Th that then led into, as I got older, went into youth group. And our youth group had, you know, we had our like Wednesday nights was our, our big youth group. We had, uh, you know, worship time and they had a small tech team that was the kind of classic for me is audio graphics and lighting. And so I had a friend that joined one day and he was like, would, would you be interested in joining the team? And I said, yeah, that would be basically the best thing ever. Um, and I still remember that moment. I think it was so profound. I still remember that feeling of just like, that would be so awesome. And so that's where I started to spend my basically middle school and high school career was every Wednesday night would just be at church season in season out learning lighting. And then eventually moving up to, it was media shout at the time for graphics. And then, you know, everyone always kind of has your, your eye glancing over at the audio console of like, that's where I'm going to be one day. And so I finally made it over there. And I guess to cast really good vision of who I am as a person was whenever I got in trouble, so maybe the grades were slipping or something like that. My version of grounding wasn't go to your room, wasn't lose TV. It was, you're not allowed to go to church if uh, you don't get your grades up or that kind of thing. And most people laugh at me for that, but that's just how well I think I fit into the church tech world at our youth group. It was somewhere where I belonged, where I could kind of be myself, be a little bit far away from everyone else, kind of have a safe thing. But to me, it made a lot of sense to say, I've got something to do with my hands while I learn and I'm also being a part of something. And for whatever reason that, that really clicked for me. And so coming out of uh, middle school, high school, I was originally thinking about going to school um, in Nashville, doing like a, a nine month program for recording arts, just cause I thought that's kind of where God was leading me. And then we went on a retreat to Winterfest at Liberty University with either middle school or high school, one of those groups. And I remember sitting there, I mean, I'm just here as a leader, as a chaperone, just to hang out. I had a ton of fun, but I remember we were sitting in one thing and they had given out pamphlets of all the different course offerings they had at Liberty. And I was um, glazing through one and there was just a thing that said worship technology. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but that sounds really awesome. Because um, part of my background too, is being a musician, that kind of music and technology were always kind of together throughout that career in middle school, high school. So all of a sudden I'm starting to think, well, what about this? And then I started kind of praying about it, started talking with my parents, started thinking through what life would look like if I did that. And then slowly that's when I felt God was moving me to Liberty. So I actually went to school there for four years as a worship leading major with a specialization in worship technology, which sounds really cool, but at the time it wasn't really fleshed out. It was basically, here's some comms courses you can take to put together with it. And so that was fun. The real fun part was just being in the worship department because there were so many rehearsals, recitals, that would be a class of a bunch of people. Everyone gets into groups. You have to lead worship together. And because of that, we just always needed production support. 
And so I was a uh, sound tech for our department for a while and just got to experience doing that during classes. And that was really where I kind of took things to the next level from uh, my own personal kind of production skills. Um, and that was a really good time for me to learn and just be around colleagues who were doing stuff, who were going to be worship leaders, and then be, being able to do the production stuff to support that. And so I had a bunch of great stories that I could probably spend hours talking about, but I might spare those for another time. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually amazing how many um, people I know that have come out of um, you know, that era when there was no, it's funny. Cause now, you know, you go to all these big Christian universities and even secular universities and in their music department, they have a technical yeah. track. You can, I mean, like real, not just recording engineering, but actual production, you know, stuff. Yeah. And it's just so funny. I'm like that, like, I'm a lot older than you. Uh, um, and, uh, but back, like I graduated from school in the eighties, mm -hmm. from high school in the eighties. And, you know, there was nothing like that anyway, yeah. like nothing, you know, that soon after that, they'd start uh, full sale yep. started, yep. but it was strictly recording. Yep. And a lot of people didn't take it seriously. Yeah. You know, and now they have like one of uh, the guy that's been on this, that's on a lot of the podcast, Brent Allen, um, mm -hmm. is a, is actually a professor. He was one of my tech directors way back in the day when he was growing up and he's actually a professor at, uh, L LA film school, which is part of full, which is yeah. now part of full sale. And, um, so it's funny how all of that is completely changed Yeah, to where, you know, even back in the nineties, when you were getting started, it was a struggle. Like you really had to want it. Yeah. You know, you had to want to do this. And now yeah. they, people have a lot of great, there's a lot of great resources that you can, um, you know, get involved in. So that's really, that's really, really cool. Well, what, um, so let's go back a little bit to uh, uh, what you did, like right after you got out of, after you graduated from Liberty, yeah. then, then what happened right after that? Yeah. So I went to an internship. It was kind of part of the curriculum. You go to do your internship. I did mine uh, senior year after I was done with everything and went up to Northwest Indiana to Suncrest Christian Church, which I'm still very fond of and really love them. And I just had a great experience being a kind of worship technology intern there. So it was me and three others and we just, we did a lot of variations of leading worship and helping with some of the tech stuff. Um, but for me, I actually really got deep into a lot more of the visuals, graphic design, and specifically motion graphics, um, because that during that time, I mean, they and with that many interns, it was there's a lot of freedom to do things that we wanted to try, and there was a lot of just I think freedom for us to take risks and try different things. And so I said, "Hey, can I just like get a copy of After Effects and just try it? Because I've always seen people do it, and it looks so cool, and I want to give it a shot and see what it's like." And so I just started volunteering and said, you know what? I think it'd be fun for us to make a bumper video for this sermon series. And so they said, cool, do it. And I kind of just started doing that for almost every series while I was there. And that really led into just more of the video side, the video production, graphic design, those kinds of things. Um, and there's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, enough to the point where when I was done with that internship, they had offered me a position to stay or I had the option um, just to go back home, live with my family. And, and I was even in that, t that spot where I was like, I wonder if I'm ever going to do audio again. And it was a little bit of a hard thing because, you know, audio has been my life since 
fifth grade, I've always been doing audio and I hadn't been doing audio in this season of my life. And it was like, huh, I wonder if I'll ever do that again. And I'm pretty sure a couple of days after that, I got a call from a friend of mine named David Bailey, who um, owns an organization called Arabon, who actually does a lot of uh, racial reconciliation training in uh, church spaces. And he, I'd done an internship, a songwriting internship with them a couple summers beforehand. And he was saying, hey, a lot of us interns, I've, I've put together a team and there's this band who's going to go out and do a week-long tour in February. And I just need someone to come around audio and help me kind of tour manage for lack of a better term. It was a pretty small scale thing. You know, these, these were like 100 to 200 person shows or less. Um, but that was kind of what drove me back home. It was, can I stay in Indiana and do this, which I really love? Or is it time to move back home? And I wrestled with that for a while and eventually made the move back to Richmond. So then I worked with Airbond for a while doing some of that tour stuff um, and then actually came on staff with them doing kind of creative directing, but then also their band model was they would go out to just different churches and places like that. And so they, they didn't always have the income to hire uh, an engineer to go with them, even though we all would have loved that. Um, so most of the time I would do graphic design and web design for the nonprofit. And then I would also just help with stuff on the side of I can do a mean technical writer, like here's the consoles they need, here's the specs they need. Um, and also helped translate musical styles to folks who were not used to urban exology's genre. It was very much so more of a gospel feel, but with a little bit of CCM tied in there and a lot of these places they were going were definitely CCM heavy worship styles. And so helping translate, hey, here's how you mix this. Here's how the vocals should sound. Here's how things sit in the mix. Um, here's what our keyboard player is actually running this gig as you know, as best as you can. If anyone's ever worked with a band on a technical writer before, you know what that's like. Here's yeah. the writer. Everything changes five times, then it's different the day they show up. So I did my best <laughs> to help out there a little bit. Yeah. Um, while I was at Erebon, I was also plugged in a, in a church where David and that crew was based called Easton Fellowship. And the long story short of there is our lead, the lead pastor at third, where I now work, was the pastor at Easton Fellowship. East End is a daughter church of third. Um, and then Corey got called back to third to be the senior pastor there. And basically maybe five or six months after he had gotten back to third, that's when he reached out to me and said, Hey, we really need a lot of technology help, especially sound and a little bit of it stuff. Would you consider come coming and doing this? And, and that's really where I kind of transitioned back to Richmond and then into my role um, at third. That's cool, man. That's uh yeah, it's so funny to hear, um, you know, one of the cool things about doing this podcast is I've got, I just get to hear everybody's story mm -hmm. of kind of the, the linear, how how they got where they are. Oddly enough, all of us have a kind of similar path that seems haphazard, yeah. but is not, not at, all. at all. It's totally God-inspired moments. You know, look back and you go, well, well, if I hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't have gotten to do that. And that got me into this and, you know, got to meet that person and got to meet that person. And it's, it's interesting to just to see how God works in our lives and that we don't really, we have no idea <laughs> what's happening yeah. while we're in it. And then all of a sudden we see kind of where he's taking us. And, and, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, it, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't the only person that could have done that, but what was cool is God picked, he was, God wanted me to do yeah. it, which is kind of cool. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a bigger compliment, you know, that yeah. you got to do it because mm -hmm. God 
replaced you. There was all these other people that could have done yeah. it, but he wanted you. Absolutely. And so, and so that's a really a cool, that's, that's, it's always really encouraging to hear stories like that. And you never know where you're going to end up when you're yeah. in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Pre- pressing the track button. <laughs> yep. And for you youngsters, there were these things called CD recorders. <laughs> It's weird to me that we can even say that now to think that there are people, you know, for the longest time, people would always say, do you even know what a cassette is? And I'm like, of course I know what a cassette is barely. But now the idea that I'm like, yeah, this is what a CD is. And that there are people out there who might be listening to this, who are like, they didn't, they didn't have a track button. They didn't, they weren't using CDs. Yeah. Well, I used to joke, you know, I have this picture of me and my dad when I'm, I don't know, I'm like five maybe or something like that. My dad had um, a, it was a VM, which is really funny because that's my initials, but there was a VM uh, reel-to-reel tape recorder. And it was just one of those real like audiophile, yeah. you know, my dad was kind of an audiophile. He liked gadgetry and stuff like that. So sure. there's actually a picture of he and I recording onto it. I'm sitting on the, the living room floor and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, most people don't even nowadays, they'll see a reel-to-reel like in a movie, like a retro you know, it's like from the fifties yeah. or sixties or whatever. Um, but that was what, you know, that and LPs was what all the audio files would listen to like yeah. high fidelity stuff on would yeah. be or like a real thrill or whatever. And I just remember that from being a kid, you know, and then that's totally gone. Then I remember there was these thing called eight track tapes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the worst sounding thing ever, <laughs> but you know, we just play continually. Um, so that's why people liked them. Cause you could just shove it in the deck and turn it on and it would never stop playing. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like Spotify, you know, but except for one album, uh, except the fact that on the B side, there would always be at least one track where it would have to f- click over to the next track. So they'd actually have to mm. fade the song, click over to oh, the next sure, track sure. and fade it back up. So for many years, I thought that's what ha- that's how those songs were shorter. And then when I get the albums later and I'd hear the whole song and be like, what is this part? I've never heard this part of my life. <laughs> it's brand new. Yeah. Cause I always click back to the front cause I wanted to hear yeah. the, you know, the cool songs, but so yeah, it is really interesting. Um, I mean, how many people remember DAT? Remember, everybody used to record on DAT, you know? That was before CDs. Yeah. So DAT's digital, the first digital audio tapes. And there was like a high-end thing that Sony did. And that's what we used to record on at church for the master. You do a a DAT for the math, like the archive. I remember when I was at Saddleback, so this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a DAT recorder. So that would run the whole time. Um, and so, because a lot of times, uh, they would go over an hour and if you remember cassettes were an hour, so yeah. you couldn't, that would be done. So we record a DAT player. We record a DAT, we'd record a cassette and we record a CD and CDs only used to be 80 minutes. So if it go past 80 minutes, you're, you know, you're yeah. done. And so, yeah, we'd have to record all three. About. Yeah. So we did that for a long time. I mean, you know, and the dats would go into like an archive, like into a cool room archive. <laughs> Cause like when I was at Saddleback, you know, Rick Warren was on, was like either on the radio or they were, mm-hmm. you could download the, the, it from the website or something like that. I don't remember exactly what they did, but you know, that was pre like podcast the way we, everybody does it now, but you could yeah. go and and download the MP3 even back then you know, on the website. So yeah. that one was like a dat high quality mono, you know, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> but yeah, it is funny to think about all that. So nowadays it's just like, you know, 
it's either Spotify or it's podcast or, or do people even download music anymore? I mean, they just download it on Spotify, right? To their phone. And yeah, that's kind of what they do. Right. I saw people, I've heard that a lot of people listen they, a lot of people just make a playlist on YouTube and then they just have it on in the background, but they yeah. use, they use YouTube as their, their radio. Yeah. Which that's, I'm too ADD. If, if it's on, I'm going to look at it. So, Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I could, I could never do that. Yeah. So, well, so I, I, I was not trying to do this, but I've kind of just given in because I think people like the information they need to know. And is how much, what have you all changed with COVID happening? Like what, what yeah. happened when COVID happening? How much did it rock your world yeah. and kind of had to pivot? I mean, a lot of, pivot. you know, uh, pivot. Right. Uh, um, so that's a friend's reference. If, if anybody understands that pivot is a friend's reference. So my, my girls all love mm. friends. So sorry if that offends any of you, you know, <laughs> Christians that think friends is a bad show, but um, uh, please don't stop listening. I'm just, I'm not a perfect person, uh, but um, everybody has, everybody kind of got their world rocked, obviously, especially in church, yeah. but a lot of churches, you know, I've talked to so many churches that, especially like a lot of the mainline churches, like Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, things like that, who didn't do video stuff. I mean, unless yeah. they were a big church, unless they were a couple thousand, they wouldn't yeah. do, they didn't do any of that. And so all of a sudden, everybody had to become a video venue, every church. Yeah. It didn't matter if you had 75 people in your congregation or 7,500 people. Yeah. You had to become a video venue. So how did, what, did, what, what did you guys do to pivot? If anything, yeah. How many times can we use pivot in this podcast? I don't know. We're going to we'll start doing the counter. Um, and how many, and how, how much did you do that? And how, what is going to be, what do you think your norms going to be? going forward because a lot of churches have decided that they're going to do they they started to have to do things differently and they're going to kind of even though they're going to go back to live services they're going to stay doing some of those things yeah because it benefits them so i'm just that's i'm trying to ask everybody that i'm just really curious what you what you guys have kind of gotten out of this yeah there's a lot of that for sure I was really thankful. We were already streaming our services long before I came to third, even though they wasn't great. Um, and then even into COVID was nice. It was just, it was PTZ cameras. I was never satisfied with the quality. Just uh, the other issue for us is being a Presbyterian church. We are not the black box theater look. We're in a traditional sanctuary and our windows are wide open all morning long. And I've got daylight and tungsten competing all the time. And it drives me insane. Um, so when we first start, when COVID first hit and we knew that we were going to be streaming and we we're going to be online only, we made the decision to just start streaming as best we could. And, and my first gut reaction was because it was like three weeks before Easter, I said, I'm going to rent some really nice cameras because I want to see for one, because we hadn't done camera ops and headsets, comms and, and all the direction that way. I said, I really want to see if the team can handle it, see if we're ready for this. Just because I know that Easter is around the corner and maybe we can rent these cameras again for Easter. 
And then that turned into, we kept those cameras for like 10 weeks while we decided whether or not we were going to buy them. Just because I was saying, we're going to be doing this for a while. I think this is a wise investment. We had to walk through some you know budget processes for that. But it basically turned but out- rental, but, the rental, but the rental house was super happy. Somebody was renting something. Oh yeah. Um, and I was thrilled too, because right at the point where we were starting to buy stuff is when all the manufacturing chains just started grinding to a halt. And so I was just so thankful that I was like, I have cameras and I have the gear that I need to pull this off. And and that was really great for us. So we did that. Eventually we made that purchase and we basically turned our sanctuary into um, a live streaming venue. We did then actually moved to pre-recording only because at the, at the beginning, I think just with internet bandwidth, there's a lot of folks who lived kind of out of the city and they were just having trouble. And I, I was looking around and I said, everything on our internet connection is perfect. We're getting to Vimeo just fine. So hate to blame other people, but we were just having issues with that. But for whatever reason, when we pre-recorded it and used um, church online platform to just simulate live, worked flawlessly for folks. So we did that for a while. The next big change for us was um, we, we felt a really pressing need for people to gather together. And two years before this, we had really launched our new, we call it our parish model, but basically think community groups that are geographically based throughout our city is all it really is. So we, we divided our church into 12 different parishes and we said, how is there a way that we can, ga- can engage these parish groups to give people a better chance to meet? And so we actually launched a thing we called Third Outside, where at the beginning we just did one service, maybe about 40 to 50 people outside one of our parking lots. And as we did that for maybe a month or two, we then decided to launch five of those different sites in the fall of 2020 um, to give people the chance to meet together. Because during all the COVID stuff, we were pre-recording, but we were also really encouraging people to, if they could, get together and watch the, the service together or meet together and do your own liturgy, do your own songs. And so we kind of grew it from there. And then as it started to get colder, that's when we started thinking, what is our next phase for something inside where people can still gather. What does that look like? So we brought everything back in, but instead of doing it in our sanctuary. And what, and what were your require? what were your state requirements for back there? Um, um, we were, what were, what were they, what were they pushing for, for church? I'm all, I always get confused because half of the time they would say, here's our new rule, but it doesn't, oh, but by the way, it doesn't apply to churches was our big thing here in Virginia. Right. So it was at one point, 25 ga- person gatherings. And then I think by the time we launched, it was around a hundred to 150. And at some point, and I believe the official rule now is gatherings of 25 are limited, but that doesn't apply to churches. And we're at, it's like a 50% capacity rule. So for us, it wound up being about a hundred to 150. Um, And we decided to move to a different room just for the sake of having space. We have pews in our sanctuary. They can't be moved. It's not as easy to facilitate some of the getting in and the logistics, which worked out great for my team. We have enough room to get all of our positions in the correct locations. And then we added a, we basically had like a hole in the wall that used to be a tech booth, which would be terrible for audio. It works perfectly now for me as a video director and for the graphics operator. And then the last big thing that we changed on on our end was we added a broadcast console because I basically said, hey, if we're going to do this, we've never really done um, live streamed hardcore online and in person at the same time with this level of excellence that we're looking for. And so we got a broadcast console. Um, but I guess t- to answer your original question, there are some things that I have noticed that if it weren't for COVID, we probably wouldn't have done. One of those is just how we're approaching our online worship. Um, at you know, in the past, it was just us 
our service would go out, you could watch it online. And now we actually have more intentional hosting. We even have more intentional just announcements and different folks at our church, especially people who I would have never necessarily imagined to talk about online as a campus or online as its own separate venue, were some of the first people to ask about what is our plan for this? How can we really make online worship the most engaging as it can be? And so us just thinking that way, I think will be really interesting. And even now, as we look for the future, we're also kind of in the midst of a building campaign and we're looking forward to some, some of that to figure out what is all this going to look like on the, on the other end of it? What does that mean for online? What does that mean for in-person? What does that mean for worship in general? And so we're kind of constantly asking ourselves those questions. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I think uh, this has kind of been a good, it's oddly been a good season for churches to kind of rethink everything. Yeah. You know, because everybody got turned upside down. It's, it's, you know, uh, wasn't just, wasn't just the small churches or the big churches. It was everybody. It literally leveled the playing field of thought of how are we going to do stuff? How are we going to reach our congregation and, and all that kind of stuff. So are you kind of, have you gotten into a rhythm? Um, Cause it's, it's so different everywhere, you know, like out here in California, you, I'm, you know, you, you, you all on the East coast, you hear how insane california is and it is it it, it's not that's not a lie it is crazy out here um but it's so everything is like one day we're they're telling us one thing and then three days later it's completely different and then you know and and is it are you kind of getting have you gotten into a bit of a groove on this whole thing and you're feeling pretty confident about how things how things are going yeah Um, or, or are you still you guys still in a state of flux I would say we're, I feel like I'm really in a groove and I think our church is, but that it seems like that kind of changes every six months or so when we reevaluate or when we were doing some of those changes. One of the things I really appreciated from our senior pastor when there was so much uncertainty and there is just this, there's so many options of what you can do and there's so many needs to try to meet. At one point, I guess it was during the summer, he just said, I want to lay out a six month vision and plan us work on it together and then make a decision and just say, this is our plan. And if COVID changes here or we reopen here, no matter what happens, we're just going to have a six month plan to do that. And I remember when he said that, I just felt like it was a burden lifted off of so, so many of us, because instead of us scratching our heads or making a plan and then reconfiguring it when it's happening live, it was nice to just know this is what we're doing for the next four to six months. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that from our leadership team. Well, and that's great leadership. And that's something that yeah. we lack just in general in the world right now is yeah. there, there just doesn't seem to be a plan. <laughs> yeah. So for, I think that's one of the places where church can really be enticing and, and just show good leadership and just in the yeah. world in general is by saying, this is what we're going to do. We have a plan. This is how we're going to execute it. If things change, we'll change them. But we're going to, this is the road we're going to go down, you know? Yeah. So I think that, I think that's great. Well, let's, let's, um, let's spend a little bit of time. Let's, let's, uh, pivot a little bit. There we go. Okay. Say, I'm trying to say it as much as possible. You get a little um, bell every time someone says pivot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't have any doc, diet Dr. Pepper. Or I take a sip of diet Dr. Pepper every time I said pivot, but yeah, there you I, don't, go. I don't have any, I ran out of my tea too, but, um, so let's, let's talk about the production pastor, uh, you know, podcast or, well, it's not really 
I guess you could consider it a podcast, but it's videos. I mean, you don't do a, you don't do an actual podcast, right? Yeah. I try not to call it podcast just because yeah. I don't have anything that would compare to what right. anyone would think is a normal podcast. Right. But how, how did, so how did the production pastor website videos on, you know, your YouTube channel and all that, how did all this kind of come to be? I think at some point in college, I always felt like I wanted to teach something or say something or blog about things. I just remember, you know, after rehearsals and different things in college would have an idea for, oh, that would make a really great blog post, but I didn't have a, an outlet for that. And then I think it kind of reignited being at third. There's something weird about when you're working as a tech director in a church, especially for me, just it was just me. I, you know, I had people I could talk to worship folks, but it was only really me in the trenches with me and my volunteers. And, and I realized that there's this really strange, somewhat void uh, in the tech, in the church tech world, just like in the way that, you know, schooling is still catching up to specifically live production. Like every school's got, you know, an audio degree that's mainly recording, but as far as it comes to, you know, lighting and and live production and doing that it's still very much self-taught and i realized that that was that was the case for me as a production director in a local church having been a worship leader and just seeing the numerous resources from every denomination from every thought point you know if i wanted to study this kind of worship for my context here's at least five different books and a couple different things that i could do to learn that but in the production world um there's not really that. There's a lot of content just from manufacturers on here's the gear you need, here's how you do this. And then I would say there's even a few folks, you know, MXU, Salt, Philo, the conference guys, Worship Sound guy, other folks who are making resources for here's how we do some of the training type things. Here's how we do um, this stuff in our context. But I realized that there's a lot of a void, at least was in my life, for being a healthy leader as a technical director. And, and really this calling for me of wanting to, to see my team grow as technical artists, but also to see them grow as disciples. Because I think the thing that's the most powerful for a lot of folks who work in church tech in any, in any way is this ability that we have to find people who might not be plugged into any other avenue in the church. They might not be interested in being on stage. They might not be interested in doing this, but if you get them behind a lighting console or an audio console or give them a camera, they just light up. And I've, I've loved seeing that happen. And it is probably one of my favorite things is just to see a high school kid say, can I just come to rehearsal and hang out? And of course I'm like, yes. And, and seeing that and seeing them get plugged in and then seeing them grow, but not just having them grow as a technical person or as a technical artist, but actually seeing how we can use the way that we train people to help them grow as disciples and how really the pastoral part of us as production leaders plays out in the local church. Um, and there's just a lot of challenges with that. There's very few resources to do that. It's just hard work to do, to do that in general. I think 95% of my work is producing an event or a service. And if I'm not doing that, I'm planning for the next event or service, or I'm planning for the gear that I need to produce that next event or service. And so training is another thing. So trying to even find time to train, trying to find time to take care of ourselves. I wanted a place where I feel like I could share some of the things that God has taught me, but also have conversations with other folks, just like you and I are doing for 
how do we answer those tough questions of, all right, I'm burnt out. My senior pastor did this or that, and we're in disagreement and we're in tension. How do we have those conversations? How do we grow? And then what does that mean for our lives? How do we do that as, as spouses, as parents, as um, even our own discipleship journey? What does it look like to worship while you work? Is that possible? Is that just a cop-out? Um, how do we still grow ourselves without being jaded and just being spoon-fed and being exposed while we're working? How do we actually, how do we be disciples as technical artists? And I don't have answers to all that, but I certainly love talking about it. And I just have always felt really called by God to help try to facilitate conversations about that discipleship arena within the church production world. Yeah, I think we're, I mean, you know, it's really funny because it's either we're, we're either tech directors and doing the gigs or whatever, or a lot of us like, you know, like me and a lot of the older technical directors, we all, you know, started going to work for integrators, but we still yeah. serve the church, yeah. you know, and we're, so now we're doing that. And that's like way past a full-time job. And when we were tech directors, that was way past a full-time job. So it's like, what do you, you know, you, what do you do? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the resources are hard. They're better now than they ever have been. Totally. But it's still, you know, and not a lot of people talk about what you're talking about. I mean, um, I think one of the, one of your videos I was watching the other day was you talking about, um, you know, your desires to have a safe space where people can talk, um, where they're, where their senior pastors not standing behind, behind them, yeah. you know, or something like that, because it's, uh, you know, it's just important. I think one of the reasons that we, all of us who have done podcasts before this and all that, the number one thing that I've, that I've had said to me is I just appreciate the fact that, you know, when we were listening to you guys that I realized I wasn't alone, Yeah. you know, and so anything, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I'm, I've been very much trying to partner with other people that want to help people understand that they're not alone. Yeah. You know, um, one of the reasons I did the podcast with Prentice Thompson, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, he, you know, Prentice is serving a completely different, uh, section of the church than most of the people that listen to my podcast. Yeah. And it was super important when he and I started talking, I said, you know, it's great because all of the issues that we might have, people say we would have, they all disappear when you're in the sound booth Yeah, because no one cares about any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and it doesn't matter who you are, um, where you come from, what your background is, um, any of those things, all of us can forget to unmute the mic. All of us can forget, uh, that we're still, you know, that we're still on that camera when we've told them to go ahead and move over, yeah. you know, to the guitar player, all yep. of those things can happen. And it does not matter what political party we're from, what the color of our skin is, what the musical style is, what any of those things, none of those, all that fades into the background because yeah. we're trying to serve God. We're trying to serve the church and we're trying to do our job with excellence. Mm -hmm. um, and just to be able to have community to do that is super important. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's one of the most important things. I think it's the thing that drives all of us who do content it drives all of us yeah. to continue to do it. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, so no, it's really cool. Um, so you, when did you, when did you actually end up starting? What did you start first? Did you start the videos first or the, or the website or did it call just pop into your head one day and say, this is what I'm going to do. What happened? Yeah, it was, um, it was about 2019. I think it was May. I was, that's when I started the website and I started a, a weekly email newsletter, which I've since then struggled a little bit to keep up with. 
And I think the, the first part of it was just figuring out what's, what's the best um, avenue for me to do this. What's, what's best for the people who would hear it, but also what's the most sustainable for me to do. And so I, I toyed around with trying to do a podcast, but I felt that was a little too oversaturated and um, I didn't want, I didn't want to be another voice. I wanted to be something that, that fits in a different way. That's not necessarily crowding everything out. And so eventually I moved, it was actually during COVID. I moved to trying to do some YouTube videos because we got some new cameras. I had some new time on my hands kind of. And so I said, let me try the video thing. So as of recent, it's been blog posts um, somewhat consistently and then YouTube videos, which have been a little bit of pause through the end of, you know, Christmas season, but I have plans to get those back up and rolling. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> can't imagine why yeah. yeah well your videos make me not want to do video like i because we had thought well maybe we'll do all these you know as we're starting a podcast network and we're kind of redoing stuff and everything i thought oh, i'm just going to do everything i'm just going to throw everything up on youtube i'll just throw it up on youtube no big deal and i was watching yours this was last year and i was watching watching your production and a very simple production but it looks really good i can tell you have a good camera you have good lighting the whole shot and i thought i don't know if i want to work that hard um <laughs> you know i often feel the same way i'm like i don't know if i want to work i, I want to work that hard because audio, well, we were talking about this right before the before we before I hit record, and you said um, something to the akin of, "It's nice that I don't have to think about uh, the video for one for yeah. once." Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but anyway, so um, if people want to go check out, you know what you're doing. It's where 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 all where are you all on the interwebs? Where can yeah, people check I I'd, out? I'd point you to. I'll say four main places, maybe three and a half. So I'm on Instagram at the production pastor. Um, I try to kind of hang with people. I've met a lot of good friends through Instagram. So though I'm kind of off social media for a lot of stuff, that's been a great avenue. Um, you can also go to the production That's kind of where I keep, that's kind of the home for everything. Um, also the production pastor on YouTube. And then the most recent thing that I launched through COVID was the production pastor community. So you can get to it by going to the productionpastor.com slash community. There's links all over YouTube and Instagram if you're looking for it as well. And, and that's really my, my place where I'm trying to make a spot for us to be able to have these conversations. And what we've been doing so far this year is um, I've really loved the He Reads Truth studies. They basically are just, they're Bible plans. Um, they have some apps, they have physical books, they have online resources. There's all kinds of different things. And it's been really wonderful for my own spiritual life. And so I said, this year, I'm just going to start doing that with folks. So anyone who wants to join and just kind of do Bible study together from the perspective of technical artists, technical leaders, come and join. Feel free to ask any other questions. Feel free to come and say, my pastor did this today and it made me want to explode and we'll talk to you about it. So just kind of looking for, for making those safe spaces where we can affirm the fact that we're not alone and just kind of be honest and real with each other. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, that we talk about this all the time, you know, and uh, I think we were even talking about this before is that most of the time we have a tech person at the church. They're the only person that thinks yeah. the way they do. And so we're all in ministry together at a church, but whether we're staff or we're volunteer staff, but we feel alone because, you know, there, like you said, there's, there's tons of community for everybody else. Uh, but there isn't often community for tech people, especially if they're in a place in, where there's not an other, a bunch of other churches around that have tech people. Yeah. You know, 
Um, it's like, I'm spoiled. I'm here in Southern California. You can't swing a cat without hitting a big church out here, but you know, but, um, so the, it's kind of different, but if you're in the middle of not really in the, even in the middle of nowhere, but just like in certain places, maybe more rural or whatever. Yeah. You're, you may not find a tech person, another tech person in a church for a hundred miles, you know? So just having that online community, having that ability to just go, be with other people, um, you know, is, is really, really cool. So, um, uh, all the links, I'll put all the links in the show notes, uh, at, um, uh, churchtechprofiles.com. It'll be on the show notes with the, with the podcast. So, or you can just go to the productionpastor.com and all, all the things will be there. So, and I found, you know, I, I agree with you. I found that Instagram is actually a pretty cool place. I kind of hate social media for the most part, but, um, and Twitter used to be the place for church techs. Like, yeah. It was the place, but even though a lot of people follow a lot of people, I don't really think people, that many people in our, in our community go to Twitter. I think yeah. I go to Twitter once a day, maybe just to yeah. kind of scroll through a little bit, but Yeah. And then you really got to curate your Twitter feed because there's just so much garbage there's out there, especially after this last year of chaos. It's just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes yeah. you not even want to go on there. But Instagram is actually great. Instagram is kind of the the place I think that a lot of people are going yeah. um, to do. So cool. Well, Alex, man, it has been such a pleasure having you on. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah. Thanks for having um, me. Well, I was, I was, ta- who was I talking to? I was, well, I was talking to Duke DeYoung and I said, Oh, I'm going to have Alex on. And he goes, um, I go, Oh yeah, I just saw, it seems like I just saw Alex at, I saw Alex assault and he goes, dude, salt. The last salt was two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, huh? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then we were talking about it earlier. It's, it's, yeah. Was it two days ago or two years ago? I don't, who knows? I don't, I don't even know anymore. It just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. So, all right. Parting shot. Uh, what's the one thing that you would, that you would say to uh, tech people who are out there that, you know, are looking for one word of wisdom as we, as we leave here today. Yeah. I'll steal something that Todd Elliott said in a Philo coaching cohort, uh, kind of the theme coming into 2021 was just the two words, pace yourself because I'm struggling to do that myself every day. And that's the, I think that's the challenge for us moving into whatever COVID looks like on the other side, pace yourself. That's awesome. That's wise words. And it's something that a lot of us didn't matter how old you are. uh, Don't figure out soon enough and it kind of can burn people out. So that's, that's great. Um, Alex, thank you so much for being on. Hey folks. um, As always, I'm, I know you're tired of hearing about this, but if you would just do it, then I would stop saying it. So tell everybody you know about this podcast that's in church tech. Uh, go to iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes as your podcasting app or, or what is it, the Apple podcast app or whatever it is now. Go there. Um, give us a five-star review. Say something nice. If you don't have anything nice to say, make something up. I don't care. Um, and. Uh, then uh, you can go to the go to Church Tech Profiles on all the socials um, or Church Tech Pro on Twitter, of course, because, you know, you can't actually like have a whole name on there. So, uh, but we're on Facebook, 
and Instagram and all the things. So, and you can go to the website, churchtechprofiles.com or the soundbooth.com. It all goes to the same place and you can listen there or listen in all your podcast apps. Uh, hopefully eventually we're going to be on Spotify and all those other places. But to be honest, I just haven't, <laughs> I haven't ported it over. So I'll do that. I'll do it eventually. But if you're listening to this podcast, you don't need that because obviously you've got it on something. So anyway, but we'll be back in another couple of weeks with another great guest. Alex, thank you so much. And uh, everybody stay safe out there. You are loved and cared about. You are not alone. So have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Bye.